0: The pandemic was awful and horrible and there were so many terrible sad stories but you know I, I will say for me that like pizza saved me. Pizza pizza saved me during the pandemic because it fed my brain and it fed it fed my family yeah. and it was something that I got really really excited about. You're listening to the Taste podcast.
1: I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. I am not sure if Wiley Dufresne needs an introduction, but here it goes. Wiley is a legendary force in the New York City chef world. As the owner of WD-50, he pioneered a form of cooking, sometimes called modernist cuisine, and brought it to worldwide attention and acclaim. And now Wiley's turned his attention to pizza with the opening of Stretch Pizza on Park Avenue. In this lively conversation, we talk about Wiley's pandemic pizza project that went to the next level. We also talk about cookbooks and our shared love for the New York City shop Kitchen Arts and Letters. I hope you enjoy Wiley as much as I did. Wildly Dufresne, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thanks very much. Excited to be here. Well, I had some great pie last night. I went over to your place, Stretch Pizzeria. I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a pie and a salad. And man, you're, you're in the pizza business right now.
0: We are. We are. It's, qu- it's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. I mean,
1: when you think about pizza in New York, I just have to start. Like, before you became part of our, the community of pizza, where were your spots?
0: Well, I mean, I, I grew up in New York City, so exactly. I've been eating pizza <laughs> since since I was a little kid, and I have fond memories of childhood, you know, going to PS41 over on 11th Street and 6th Avenue, and there mm-hmm. was a very early, one of the first, um, Rays, famous, famous Rays, mm-hmm. forget, you know, famous original Rays, yeah. they all have those different yeah. incarnations, so there was one of those right on the corner, uh, and so I have really fond memories, actually of, of, of eating slices, but specifically for me there, it was the Sicilian, Mm-hmm. Then I went to Friends Seminary over on 16th and 3rd mm-hmm. and right across the street from Friends uh was a place called Mariella's and, and and in hindsight probably a bit of a sloppy yeah. overdressed oversauced overcheesed slice which you kind
1: of take a little issue with I think. But
0: well I, I I think that there I think that there should be a pie for everyone a slice for everyone I think there should yeah. be a style for everyone. It's not the it's not the way I like to build a pie yeah. but um but so those those early memories are, are places like that growing up and 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 using you know I had to use that sort of archetypal classic New York slice as, as, a, as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. But then you know, New York has so much good pizza, and you know I think you know, it, it, and again, I'm, we're, we're not here to rank it when I say when I say you know Lindustry out in Brooklyn yeah. or weeded or um, you know, upside, which I really like. A For lot. a slice, upside at scale, they're killing it. I upside's, love upside, upside's great. Yeah, uh, scars really good. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, so those are some of the places that I think do great stuff. And then, you know, if you're gonna have, uh if, if you're gonna have a whole pie, you know, Una, you got to talk about Una. Yep. Una's amazing. He's amazing. And you know, technically not New York, but Ratsa is again a place that. Everybody should go to to yep. understand sort of the high art of of pizza. Yeah, Dan
1: Richard in Jersey City. I'm going to have Dan on the show soon, and and his pie. I feel like there's some similarities between what I'm what I had at Stretch and what, what Dan Richard's doing there. What about in Brooklyn? We haven't even hit I mean b We've got Titano's. Are you? Are yeah, you, I
0: mean those are good spots too. Yeah. I, I, again, that's why that's why New York is awesome because there's yeah. this 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 giant. Giant pool or pond or lake of, of yeah. pizza boats floating around, and and hopefully what we're doing uh, is a little bit different, and so there's room for us in that in that pond.
1: Well, Wiley, I wanted to have you in definitely to talk about WD50, the restaurant you ran for 11 years uh, in the Lower East Side, super influential, um, lots of alumni. We'll talk about molecular gastronomy, that term, which is interesting. Um, but I want to get back into pizza first. How did you decide you wanted to go pro with pizza? Because it probably started semi-pro. Were you doing it for friends and family? Were you ever doing it at other, at your other restaurants?
0: Uh, it's even simpler than that. Uh, I, you know, the pandemic hit uh, and we we decamped. Uh, my, my wife and our, our kids uh, and my wife's younger sister and her family uh, decamped to our home up in Connecticut. Um that whatever it was, third week in March, mm-hmm. um, when everybody oh, yeah. sort of took off, we headed up there, um, and 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 uh, you know kids were work you know being homeschooled for lack of a better word, uh, you know my wife and her sister were working from home. Our the donut shop had been put on pause mm-hmm. for. What now has become and you know is it's now gone? Oh man, um, never! I didn't realize it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say never well, to come back? Well, it, well, at that that, that location right. is is okay. gone. I mean, I should not say never to come. I, back I mean, I hope not. They're
1: pretty. They're pretty
0: great. Well, I mean, they're donut. You get a yeah. donut if you come to stretch. Yeah, uh, they're they're oh cool. They're on the they were on the dessert menu last yeah. night actually, but um, so. Uh, Really, like looking back on my phone at photographs and stuff, the end of the end of March, the very first couple weeks of April, I was in the basement. Uh, you know, there's eight of us. We're an eight top, as mm-hmm. I affectionately referred to <laughs> us up up at our home. And I seemed like the best choice for feeding the eight top um, of the people that were there. <laughs> yeah, you were and so qualified. I Yeah. yeah. I, uh, but, you know, again, we ended up being up there for many, many, many months. And so uh, everybody, you know kicked in and helped cook, but, but, but I tried to carry the load. And so I was in the basement early, early on and, and, and looking around and thinking, what am I going to make for dinner? What am I going to make for dinner? And I, I had done some work for Breville previously that year. Um, uh, and in exchange for 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 the work, rather than rather than take some some financials, if I took some equipment. Okay, I took an espresso machine, which I immediately put into to play.
1: They really are the best home espresso machines. I have two. They're, they're super they're, good.
0: They're awesome. They are, awesome. Uh, and I and and I immediately put that in into service uh, in, in in our home, but. I, I had the Breville Pizzaiolo. I looked up, oh, wow, well, there's the pizza ah,
1: oven. Ah, you had the Breville pizza oven.
0: And I'd never uh. used it, it was still sitting unused in a box. And I thought <laughs> to myself, well, I'm cooking for people literally from four to 49. What's a thing? What's a food stuff that that, yeah. that is effective across that? You know, one of them is a vegetarian. There's like this pizza. Pizza's perfect, right? I'll make okay. a pizza. Now, there's a big caveat there. Like, I'd never really made pizza. No. Sure. Like, I, I've owned restaurants. I worked yeah. in restaurants where, mm-hmm. hey, let's have pizza for family meal yeah. tonight or this or that. And, like, I, I certainly understand how to make tomato sauce and mm-hmm. the topping. And you like, made
1: bread, I would imagine.
0: Not really. Okay. Not really. I had always been, uh, you know, bread is—it's the super simple things that are the most intimidating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it wasn't something—I had staff yeah. under me that could do it. Yeah. Um, I'm just sure Stupac could and make some bread. Sure. And when I worked for Jean George, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was an entire pastry department yeah, that, yeah. that was in charge of breaking the bread and this and so I'd I'd i I'd, I'd been you know bread pizza adjacent yeah. my whole career, but but I I didn't actually know how to make pizza. So I said to myself, I want oh, let's make pizza. And and like everybody, what do you do when you don't know how to make pizza dough? You Google it. And mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, literally later that day, I'm on the King Arthur baking site and they have like seven different recipes for pizza dough. And to be honest, King Arthur is a great, a great source for, for data. So I just started... Trying to, I figured I had to figure out. Well, what kind of pizza do I want to make? Mm-hmm. I, I, well, what am well, I? Well, do-
1: yeah, th- that's a good question. Like, let's stop there. So you have options, right? Because with this oven, I'm understandable. Like, you could go super high temp with it, right? So you could do a quick pizza, or you could do like a a, low, a slower rise pizza too, right?
0: You could, but I I figured since I'm not that well versed in it, why don't I pick a pizza okay. that I have some some experience eating. To yeah. judge it against. So growing up in New York, eating a New York style, you know, sliced joint kind of pie. Bread
1: oven, like kind of that
0: four fifty deck oven deck pie. Of, yeah. yeah, was exactly what I'd had the most of. So yep. I was like, I will at least gauge my own efforts against that in the vacuum that I'm I'm living in right now, because I can't make a pizza today and run to you know run to scars tomorrow mm-hmm. and see how I measured up because right. we're we're all, you know, isolated. Yeah up in, 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 where we are. And so, um, so I started looking for New York style pizza dough and, um, you know, I, I it became clear that, that we weren't going back anytime soon and things were going to change. And so uh, above and beyond feeding my family, um, my, my donut shop was, was really on pause. And so what was I going to do to sort of stay, mm-hmm interested and enthused, excited about what I love to do, which is cook, was to just go, kind of go down this pizza rabbit hole. So I immediately started like, okay, I'm going to, not only going to make pizza tonight, I'm going to, I'm going to teach myself, How to make pizza. Wow. Two things that I decided I wanted to get really good at during the pandemic was making pizza and making rice.
1: Oh, Because okay. okay. um, We'll we'll go to the rice. But so let me ask you, we've all had this journey. Like, I'm going to teach myself how to do something. I would love to know the resources. Were you, like, going straight to a cookbook? Were you thinking, I mean, you said King Arthur's uh, recipes are are dope. Was there a way that you were kind of going to educate yourself
0: on pizza? I said their recipes are a starting point, and their recipes are a great starting point, and their their the their resources for flour and equipment and and, and is great, um. And so I just I got my hand I was like I went down I went all in and like I, I started ordering books, I started getting on every sort of uh, online sort of mm-hmm. group, chat room group of pizza making et cetera, and I just be I just started to literally devour all the information I could about pizza making. And so I just started making pizza, making pizza, making pizza. And we started having pizza once a week. Then we started having pizza twice <laughs> a week. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, I made somewhere between 600 and 700 pizzas Shit. over the course of the pandemic, which sounds like a lot. But I mean, when, you know, there are places that make that many pizzas in, in, in one yeah. day. So um, the, the Brevo got some work. The Breville has yeah, seen yeah. some miles. Yeah, the yeah. Breville has seen some miles. Same one you have up there. Still? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. That's good. And so it was interesting because I began to make, you know, try to have to try to figure out how to make a New York style pizza in a twelve inch round mm-hmm. because that's, which is not something you see a lot of. You don't see New York style pizzas in in miniature like that. They're typically. You know, 16, 18, 18. 20 inch mm-hmm. inches, um, and they're typically slices. They're typically something that go in the oven twice. You go out to Hoboken, it's like twenty four. Yeah, like Hoboken does yeah, yeah. big slices. <laughs> That's true. That's those are fun. Those, those are, are fun. fun. Yeah. Um. So, I I just got really into it. I got really really into it. And then as the you know the fog of the pand- pandemic began to lift, and as it began to be time to think about what's next, and it seemed pretty clear that the donut shop wasn't wasn't going to return um and i love working in restaurants i really do and uh i wanted to 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 get get back in the game and and i had a couple other um opportunities that one that started before the pandemic one that started during and they both fell through no way Um, can you
1: say broadly were they uh closer to alder and wd 50 or are they more single topic diner you were going to do a diner, I was interesting. I'm going to do a diner,
0: yeah. Huh. I'm a di- di- diner fan. Wow.
1: Um, I'm sure that will maybe
0: happen in the future. Who knows? Uh, I hope so, because I love diners yeah. and, and the world needs more of them. But yeah. Um, so it became time to come back. And uh, pre pandemic, I'd had some conversations with, with Gotti, the owner of Bread's Bakery, Gotti Palais, mm-hmm. Um And I live right around the corner from Oh,
1: my God. I mean, the babka is like world class, it's like the number one.
0: And agreed. Yeah. A- and, it, you know, from my apartment to bread's is about 45 seconds yeah. if you make the light, you know. And and so um, we had had conversations pre-pandemic about trying to figure out a way to just do a collaboration, have me come in and do something mm-hmm. and collaborate. And we tried a couple different things. One was a, maybe a donut idea. One was maybe something around eggs. And we, nothing fit, nothing gelled. And then— um, the pandemic hit and we went our separate ways and then we were coming back and it was time to to think about what's next. And so I, I, I went over to God and I said, hey, I have an idea about how we could collaborate. Why don't we do a pizza?
2: Mm.
0: And he's like, well, you don't know how to make pizza. Oh, shit. And I said, hold on. And again, I live right around the corner. So I went home. Oh. I made him a everything bagel pizza, brought it right back. I was like, here it is. And he was like, "Oh, that's that's, that's actually pretty good." And I waited like two days, and I said, "Hey, Gotti, I, I want. I'm serious. Like, I want to do. Is there a way we can do a pop up here? We can do a pizza pop up." And, and he's like, nah, "I don't know." And so I made him another pizza. You, you, you kept. You I, I kept made pushing. him another pizza, and he was like, "Okay." And so so we did like a six month pop up there, that that went well, and we enjoyed each other's company, yeah. and we you know, and we said we'd like to to advance this further down the line, and we got a group of folks together, and 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 out of that stretch was born. So. You know, it, it it's the pandemic was awful and horrible and there were so mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. so many terrible sad stories but you know, I I will say for me that like pizza saved me. Pizza pizza saved me during the pandemic because it fed my brain and it fed it fed my family yeah. and it was something that I got really really excited about and uh and I, I just, you know, I, I tend to go kind of deep in a subject, and pizza was well, well, perfect it, for that. It
1: is perfect, and, and I was going to segue to, to kind of the execution of your pizzas because clearly you weren't going to just do something that was a classic this or classic that. Yes, you have a classic pie on the top of your menu, but I want to get into what you're doing at Stretch Pizza. There seems to be um, a playfulness, obviously, but also an homage to New York, an homage to Jewish food. A homage to Eastern European food, even. Like it seems like the the canvas was blank when you started thinking about your menu development. How did you craft these these pies when you're writing your menu and, and figuring out what stretch
0: would be? I mean, the they the, the the pies come from all over. There are again, it's I think I think you have to stand behind your, your plain pie. That has to like you have to nail the plain pie. hundred percent. If you can't if you can't hit that then i think that that's a big issue so we of course we wanted to we're trying to make like whatever whatever a new york slice is whatever that memory is whether it was yesterday mm-hmm. with while you while walking your dog or 25 years ago with your dad or all of those things like i want that you to eat that slice and i i want it to sort of trip that mm-hmm. that that moment but then from there we wanted to 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 sort of find inspiration everywhere like yeah I love New York I grew up in New York and so there are there you know the old town is a nod to the old town bar which is amazing you know not only is it also was close to my house as Bread's Bakery. But if you went there every Friday—and I went out to friend's seminary in high school. If you went there every Friday at 5 o'clock, you'd see Mr. Schwartz, the Latin teacher, sitting at the end of the bar. And you'd
1: see the ice and the urinals
0: were still there. Yeah, yeah the ice—I mean, again, <laughs> <laughs> the urinals are special there. That's special. A, maybe, maybe we shouldn't go into that too yeah, much. Yeah. But, But, like, it was about, you know— my my Latin teacher was there every Friday, and once you were old enough to go in there, you could sit and have a beer with Mr. Schwartz. And I've been, you know, it's in the cold open of Letterman for all those years, and like it's a, it's a neighborhood institution, and it's famous for its burger and its urinal, and it's yeah. the, But you know what's really good there that no one knows is there is is a grilled cheese sandwich and it's sauteed mushrooms and munster cheese on pumpernickel yeah, bread. Yeah. And that's a great sandwich that nobody knows or talks about there. You know, and it's awesome.
1: Freedom for munster. So I mean, munster doesn't get enough love as a melting cheese. As a melting as cheese, as a melting it's cheese a is a great spe- cheese. So that's relates.
0: a pizza on our menu. It's that grilled cheese sandwich broken down. There's munster cheese, sauteed mushrooms and these really boldly flavored pumpernickel bread crumbs that we put on there. And then, you know, there's there's other pies that are just you, you know the the yolks on you is a, is a, is a riff on a classic French uh, Mm -hmm. salad of um, you know, just grilled asparagus in a vinaigrette with mm-hmm. with hard boiled egg yolks and egg whites sprinkled on top. Classic French flavor pairings. And so we built a pie on of that, off of that. And that will
1: be a spring into summer pie. Or are you going to keep it going?
0: No, well, asparagus will go out of yeah. season soon, yeah, and yeah. and and so we'll move on. But the idea, you know, the yolks piped onto that is a bit of our, you know, a bit of of technique from our our WD fifty days past. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, you know, the plowman is just a classic. The
1: that's the, what I had. Last the
0: plowman's night. lunch. You yeah. know, that's just a that's that was. Of interesting sort of bit of trivia created by the cheese board in England and yep. the, the classic plowman's lunch of, you know, a, a crusty bread with horseradish, yep. maybe some smoked cheddar, some pickled red onions. Um, and so we built a pie off of that. So we're trying to use all sorts of places yeah. for inspiration for fun. The Odd Father is just, again, zucchini and eggplant on a pie. That's nothing new, but how can we do it in a way? Mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. So, you know, we smoke the eggplant in-house, we roast the zucchini in the oven, and we make a puree of the smoked eggplant. And But the whole thing's pretty soft, and it needed some crunch. So we took the, the bits of from tempura. When they fry tempura, you get all those little bits of oh, yeah, to the definitely. top. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, definitely. The best part about tempura is at the end of it. yeah, The crunchy bits. Yeah, so yeah.
0: we took those, and we tossed them in olive oil, um, and we put classic like Progresso seasoning yep. you know dried oregano basil marjoram thyme italian
1: spice yeah so we yep. do
0: italian spice tempura yep. flakes yep. so so you've got cultures coming together and texture yep. and and so, you know, much like what we've always done, sky's the limit in a way in terms of flavors. As long as they make sense, you look for bitter, sweet, salty, sour, umami. Mm-hmm. Now um, tell
1: me, are there some that aren't on the board right now or on the menu that that you're like workshopping that maybe we could talk about that or, or maybe ones that are like halfway there? I'd love to hear about your process. I
0: mean, there's a bunch of like, how do you take a croque monsieur and turn that into a pizza? How this is take, so fun. How I do you love take this. French onion soup and turn that into a Oh, pizza? my God how, you know, how, what are, what are things that you can do like that, 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 that have delicious, what are classic flavor pairings yep. that would be good on a pizza? What are things that maybe people might not think would work on, on, on a pizza?
1: And uh, it extends to your menu too. I, I had the, the bitter greens and, and the vinegar potato chip salad. Cool. Cool idea.
0: Again, it's just it's just fun, you know. It was inspired by by Mark Ladner. Uh, he had a potato chip salad in in the Del Posto cookbook. That yep. I was like, that's really clever. Um, I also had the um, you know you go, you've been to Ernesto's, I assume mm-hmm. downtown, and he does this amazing plate of sliced ham and yep. potato chips. Yep. It's like ham and potato chips and ham and potata- yeah, and it's huge and it's like comical. And you're like, oh my god, this is like why didn't I think of that? This is
1: so my friend. uh... Who is – oh, it's my friend Nada Heasel. She wants to write a potato chip cookbook. I feel like potato chips is a cookbook. It
0: really is a great ingredient. Yeah, potato chips on a sandwich, potato chips on a burger, potato potato chips on a hot dog. Like, yeah, potato chips on – so – but the idea there was – if we take salt—if we make our own—we buy we buy potato chips from Rick Bishop at the Green Market, mm-hmm. who has amazing—you know, makes amazing kettle chips yeah. um, out of German butter balls and Kennebec potatoes, and they're spectacular. And we take them, and then we have our own blend of um, vinegar powder, citric acids that—to that, make our own salt and vinegar chip. Yeah.
1: Which is as an intensity that I've, I just right away was like you're hitting it right on the right It's got
0: to be super punchy, right? Totally. Salt and vinegar and chips should almost like make you grab your beer right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we mix that with a salad that's, that's a mix of, of uh, mizuna mm-hmm. and frisee and, and, and a bunch of fresh herbs and radishes. And we dress all those greens with a ton of olive oil. Yeah, and then so the vinegar comes from the chip. So there's no actual; it's not pro, it's not dressed. There's no water. Yeah. to make the chip soggy, but the vinegar is from the is powdered. It's from so, the powder. Yeah. So that's sa- that salad could sit on the table for your entire meal and not get soggy. And Which
1: potato is chips stay crunchy. Such a and good so- point when you're when you're doing pizza. There's definitely like a slice, then the next thing, then the slice. You're kind of going back and forth. So things do actually sit on the table longer than other styles of dining.
0: Yeah, and that's the way it is at stress. It's like you order food and it kind of comes out as it's prepared. And we, I mean, if you want us to course it, we're happy to do that. But it's also like it doesn't matter if you still have Caesar salad on the table when your pies come because salad on a pizza is also delicious.
1: Man, let me ask you about last night. Like, what's service like uh, opening a restaurant in New York City on Park Avenue? You've got a lot of attention. What's it like, like, running—this is, like, what, your first month?
0: Yeah, I think today is day—today will be day 25, I yeah, think. So yeah. we're not even open a
1: full month yet. Right, right. What's that—what's going—what's going through your mind?
0: I mean, I mean, it's, it's real. like I'm, I really, really, really missed working in restaurants. Yep. You know, it's been eight years since I had a restaurant. Yep. And so— Alder um, was eight years ago. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Cool restaurant, and, by the way. Yeah, thank enjoyed you. Enjoyed it. Thank I went you. A few times. Yeah, me
0: too. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Glad you. It's. Did. <laughs> it's. It's. Uh, it was. It was just. I. I really like it. I like. Yeah. I like make. I like cooking a lot. Yeah. I like working in restaurants a lot. I like talking to customers a lot. I like making people happy. Um. Mm. I like. I. I really. I'm. I'm having a lot of fun. As long as you folks are having fun on yeah. the other other on the other end and I think that we're making a solid pie and that's you mm-hmm. know that's that's the important part is that we continue to try to make a better pie today than we did tomorrow and
1: Uh-oh. and prep is is pretty intense with these pies you're, t- you're, t- you're just talking through these the, the various ones that are in the menu now but this is not like a typical pizza shop where you can roll in at like 10 and do the prep then or eight nine
0: I mean we're trying not to make it too onerous you I mean I, yeah. you know I, again <laughs> having done this for almost 30 years now you get a little bit better at it over yeah. the years and hopefully you get a little bit smarter and you're yeah. able to understand how to use, you know, equipment and technology and, and things like that. But we're not in it. It's not it's not too bad. It's not too bad. OK,
1: well, I want to segue to WD-50 because you closed on November 30th, 2014. And, you know, you've been you've been operating for over 11 years, 12 years around yeah. that. Yep. And this was an influential restaurant beyond its years i mean it produced folks like mario carbone christina tosi malcolm livingston alex tupac sam mason and uh, many others who we maybe don't even know about on the podcast but who are important in, in all cities in america and beyond uh, first question about wd is like when you're reflecting at that when you're up in your house during the pandemic you're thinking about because everyone was reflecting on life then it was a very crazy time what do you think about most about that time running wd50
0: uh, I mean, I think about the people, the people I worked with, those people were all you know, very special to me. The the they were, uh, so many of them were are wonderful and are still wonderful. Yeah, right. Um, but you know, I f- I, f- I find myself thinking about those people and I th- and, and 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 wondering where some of them are and reaching out to them constantly. And and there are various groups of mine I do keep in a lot of touch with. I mean, you sat next to one of mm-hmm. my dear friends yeah. last night, Francis Derby. Francis Derby, exactly. Who's, who's you know was was on the opening team and who's who's bec- you know become a, 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 great, great friend. Um, and, and, I think of the people, you know, I think of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I feel like we set out, we, we accomplished what we set out to do. Uh, and, and so I feel, I feel okay that, that that yeah. part came, like it went full circle and, and, and so I feel okay about it, but, but I, I miss those people. I miss, uh, being in there, like, I had the best office in the world. That kitchen was wonderful. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was beautiful. It had, You know, I look back, and there's not a lot I would have changed about how we laid it out. You know, my father and I spent a long mm-hmm. time thinking about how to build that place, and I think that we got most of it right, which is which is yeah. something I'm very proud of and, and feel fortunate to. But, I, you know, I miss all those folks. Down on lot. Clinton
1: Street, you know, legendary space, absolutely, like, just one of one. And I just wonder, you know, menu development are you are you miss, missing the i know the people is first and foremost but like just the cooking itself uh do you miss that part do you miss the actually doing service
0: at a wd-50 uh i mean i think that there's still uh, you know with 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 Alder, with donuts, with pizza, there's still an opportunity to think that way, to think critically and creatively, and that's what we do. Not in a tasting menu format, though. Just not in a tasting menu format. You know, we think critically, we think um, creatively, we don't think in a tasting menu format. Um, I I will say, you know, if if somebody said, "Let's not talk about the finances. Let's not worry about it. Let's just, you know, sky's Mm -hmm. the limit," would you would you go back to doing that? Um, That would be tough for me. I mean, those, you know. It's a, that's a grind. It's a real grind. There was a pressure, you know, you felt the pressure to constantly come up with a new thing all the time, all the time. And Mm -hmm. some of those ideas, techniques, things would would take months to figure out. And so the idea of like, well, how come we don't change the menu more often, do this more? (laughs) Because it's, it's hard to come up with Mm -hmm. new stuff. It's hard to be unique, you know. Yeah super quick and and you know how to figure out how to deep I mean it's like a magician
1: doesn't change the magic show every day you know, the magician, I don't think so. I, I don't mean, think so.
0: If they do, the, you know, again, I'm not here to criticize restaurants to change your menu every day. No, but, no, you're not. But they're just kind of moving our gre- ingredients around on a board. You're like shuffling yeah. the cards and saying, we, we cooked a duck with the rhubarb today. Let's cook the bass with the rhubarb tomorrow and the yeah. duck with the turnips and the bass. You know, yeah. and you're moving things around and doing wonderful, delicious, exciting things. But like when what we were trying to do uh, was it, it it was fun, but it was, you know, it was, it was hard. It felt like at times... It was a special time, but there was this sort of space race between, (laughs) like, a group of restaurants around the world that were always trying to out... The Alinea, I'll name a few more if you want. Sure, (laughs) Muguritz, the Bat Duck. There was, like, this space race. We were all pushing and pushing, and let's see... You know, the internet was kind of early in terms of, like, hey, what are these guys up to? Let me see, you know? And so it was was fun, but it also... There was a pressure that... um, some of that I don't necessarily miss, but the people, the restaurant, the space. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I also I'm not so sure, too, if people are still up for that that giant slog of a meal. It's, I, anymore. it's interesting,
1: you know, auto mix, I think about uh, number two on Pete Wells' latest list um, of 100 in New York. I mean, auto mix is you. It's a long meal. It's true. And a great meal. Absolutely. And a great meal. And yeah.
0: and so, yeah, perhaps I'm wrong, but um, no, also, I don't want. I don't want done like that. Personally well, it's all the also time. fun to have a place that people want to come to, maybe once a week versus maybe once a year. Like I'm enjoying that. i that's enjoying That's, I'm, a, I'm in, Wiley, that's I'm enjoying cool that you say that. A, you know, a, a thing where where it's not just. You know, we've had people that have already been in three times. Yeah. You know, and I and and we've been open not even four weeks, and so mm-hmm. that's that's different, but that's fun too, and it's fun to to be a neighborhood spot that yeah. people feel like, let's roll in there. Um,
1: let's talk about back at WD-50, there was a term called molecular gastronomy. It's kind of harsh right now to even think about that term. It's so clunky, but it says something about the food. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about that term. You certainly didn't coin that term. I don't think you were like, saying it all the time. But where does that style of cooking land today? Is, are there people doing that?
0: Well, that term is a bit misleading. I agree um, fully. Because it's a school, uh, it's it's a it's a type of scientific study. It would be like saying, "What type of cooking do you do?" Biology. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you? Uh, that's a, that's that's weird. You know, that's you, you can't cook bio, like that. They're not the same. So, molecular gastronomists are are scientists studying what happens to our food as, as as we cook it. Yeah. And chefs are over here preparing food, and so they they have a codependence on each other. The chef would love to know the information that the molecular gastronomist mm-hmm. has about what they're doing and the molecular gastronomists would love to know how we're cooking to, to, they have a, they have subjects to study. So we have this wonderful relationship with each other, but to say, I'm a molecular gastronomist is, is no more correct than to call the molecular gastronomist a chef. It's not fair in either direction. It's also does, like you said, it's clunky. It's not delicious. Like, Hey honey, you want to go out to dinner night? Should we go have Thai? Should we have (laughs) Italian or molecular gastronomy? Like we're never, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. No one's ever going to say, yeah, let's go have molecular gastronomy. That being said, in my youth, I would get up on my soapbox and I would stomp my feet about it. But at this point when you use that term people know the kind of food you make or made and yeah. so it i don't mind anymore i don't mind it it's and and what did we go for? we went from molecular gastronomy to, to- to, to modernist cuisine. Is that any better Yeah, does modernist. That sound, there was like the idea of the edge cuisine was. Does in that there? sound any more delicious? No, Not really. Um, no. so let's just stick with molecular gastronomy. That's fine. But, you know, and then people say, well, thank God, you know, WD-50's closed, and then and molecular gastronomy, we're finally putting it to Wait, bed. People say
1: that, it's kind of fucked up.
0: We're putting it to bed, <laughs> okay. you know, we can finally move <clears throat> on from this. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we we may have lost the battle because we're closed, but molecular gastronomy won the war. We're <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's Everywhere, yeah. everywhere that you go to eat some of the things that myself and my contemporaries at the time,
1: Xanthan gum is, we added, is, is selling we, out on we the, we added to
0: the, we added to the canon, you know, yeah. we contributed to the body of work. We left something there that's never going away. And Xanthan gum is an excellent example. Um, we, so we won. You know, I, I hate to say it, but we won. It's the, it's in there. All the restaurants that you go to are in some way, shape or form using some of the techniques or some of the technology, some of the equipment, some of the ingredients that that people like myself and, and all those other chefs you mentioned earlier brought into. Oh, my God. I the, mean, look at like CPG, machine. like look at you can buy sous
1: vide chicken like anywhere now it's like it's like sold in five or
0: seven different brands i go to if do you have egg bites at starbucks because that's they're all made sous vide right right so there you go yeah no like it's 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 so pervasive that It's it's not even i hate to say it to the haters but it's there's no argument to be had they there's nothing we won yeah we won our stuff is out there um but you know, like the being part of like all the first generation, we were kind of like so excited we were doing something new and different. So we were there was a little bit of like, hey, look what we're doing, look what we can do, isn't this awesome? And that's maybe where we got ourselves in trouble because Gen Gen two, Gen three, Gen four are like they're not talking about it. They're just putting the they're not saying hey, we discovered xanthan gum and it's pretty neat. <laughs> they're just putting it in there and you're and you're not even noticing it. But the result of the xanthan gum and what it can do to yeah. make your meal. There's any number of ways it can contribute to your meal. But you know what I mean? they're not, we're not people are, are are being less showy about it, which is smart. We were and we weren't trying to be showy. We were just excited you
1: were excited. and we were I think excited. I think the perception too, was just looking at the cost of the meal and and usually, these big ideas with quote unquote molecular biology were happening in tasting format. And some would say they were not approachable to the average diner. But obviously, there was a reason the cost structure was set up that way because that's how you, Make it happen when you're with this excitement. There's, you know, you have uh, a requirement, a financial requirement to 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 do a tasting menu, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, just do you have any idea how much R and D goes into coming up right. with all this stuff? Great I mean, point. Where does that? Where does that? Where's that supposed to get funded? Right. You know. You have to like there's a lot that goes on. And again, I, I don't I don't I don't want to complain about you're not. No, no, people i'm this who is are a complaining about us. conversation
1: about a, a period that's super but, influential compared to punk rock in 78 in New York City. This is the moment when food changed for everyone, um, downtown New York and in Spain and in France and in London super important
0: yeah and and I just feel lucky that we were we added to the conversation that's it yeah you know I feel very proud of of the crew and the team and we added to the dialogue and I think do
1: you works. get together with some of the guys, like Malcolm or, or or Alex Stupak or any of these guys do you, do you guys have reunions for wd50 at all <laughs> we don't
0: you know we don't maybe we should have a reunion I mean we did a 10-year anniversary and that yeah. was pretty awesome we I invited everybody that oh, had cool. worked for me that had gone on and had uh you know their own restaurant, or was working somewhere, and and we were still open at the time, and yeah. they came, and and we did a ten year anniversary. That was ten din- years ago dinner at WD fifty, yeah. and that was pretty fun. Um, so that was cool. I have that menu on the wall in my house um, nice. that everybody signed, but. I try to keep up with a bunch of them yeah. sort of, you know, from far away. Unfortunately, it's getting easier to reach out to people from far away. So you have to make less of an effort. I don't, <laughs> I don't love this bit of technology yeah. for that. You, know, you don't pick up the
1: phone and have like a nice or write a letter. It, I mean, food editorial people out there do this story. I mean, we could do it, I guess, a Taste, but it's not really our domain. But like get the reunion together. Do the photo shoot. Yeah, I, I mean, there's that. a lot
0: of great people. And I love like I said, I they all mean the world to me. And I love them. Cool. And I talk to them. Some of them, you know, like Alex. I saw Alex last week. Yeah. And I saw Francis last night. And, you know, Sam came for dinner mm-hmm. and a bunch of the guys, you know, our bar program at Stretch is run by a guy that worked for me at Alder's. So yeah. there's, a, there's a few people out there that, that, that I stay in touch with. A um, few
1: more questions about New York. Just in general, I, I want to ask you as a New Yorker some restaurants that you that you just really are loving right now. I feel like this is a great time. We're having a lot of our listeners are coming to New York to visit this spring and summer. Where should we be going?
0: Um well I mean I think some some places that I've I've been to that I love um I had a great meal at Teresi recently. I yeah. have to say that was super fun and yeah. delicious. Top of their uh, game,
1: three stars New York Times. They, they Rich was on the show. Definitely one of the hotter restaurants of the last five years in New York,
0: and just super delicious. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Um, and 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 great. The space, you know, the Puck Building is an awesome, cool building.
1: Yeah, as a New Yorker, you must have been really excited to see a restaurant like that in that space. Oh my yeah. God!
0: I mean, we had we rented out the Puck Building in high school for our <laughs> senior year party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they let us have kegs in there, and we were like sixteen-year-olds having kegs in the buck. <laughs> bo- in what is now REI, when it used yeah. to be an event space, I was fun. like, "This is amazing! It's so good! It's this so good. is so cool!" Um, Joji, the the sushi place, you know Danielle's sushi yep. spot in in uh, uh, Grand Central, which is I just had a great meal there. That yep. was a lot of fun. Um, I'm a I, I love you know sushi Japanese food. Shuko's yeah. always a spot I would say go to. Um, I I want to go to Misha, you know, yep. Stu, Alex Stupak's new place. I'm excited to go there. I'd love to try to get into Yoshino, uh, yeah. for sushi. I haven't been there, but that looks
1: yeah. Yoshino looks cool. I'm going to Misha as well. I'm gonna have Alex in the show soon. So
0: we'll uh, Kono, I would love to check out. I'm I've I've, I've secretly it's now no longer a secret because I'm gonna say it right now. I've always wanted to have a yakitori spot. Yeah. Um, I think that yakitori is really neat, and I think that our approach. Yakatori would would be a fun a fun twist. Well you've clearly thought
1: about it a lot. I mean it's 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 leaking into the pizza realm. So clearly you've thought about yeah.
0: Yeah, Yakitori is super cool, super fun. Yeah, yeah. Um S&P, I live right down the block yeah. from from S P. Um again, I'm a diner, I'm a diner lover. Um I, I loved what it was. I love what, what what they've turned it into. I think that's a super fun spot to go check out. It's amazing how
1: they've transformed that space fully like f- complete rethink without actually changing the space yeah it's just that's really hard
0: yeah i mean really hard that's that's fun i used to love going to sit at the counter there and having Gosh. having some liverwurst you know what i mean
1: that was my dad's that was a sandwich right liverwurst there. liverwurst so good that's like a
0: one of the most underappreciated things liverwurst yes.
1: yes i let's go there i mean when you think of liverwurst is there a brand do you do you, do you I mean, we get Oscar Mayer in the Midwest, which is not the brand I would pick probably, but is there like a local brand?
0: You know who makes the best liverwurst? Let's go. Gabrielle Kreuter.
1: Oh, go, yeah.
0: Go up there and ask him for some under the table, <laughs> hand you a tube <laughs> in the t- gold, in the gold wrapper, just like the oh. old Jimmy Dean. You know, yeah. Jimmy Dean's Yeah. In the, in the gold. I mean, his his liverwurst is no joke.
1: It's when it's good, it, it hits. And it, it, do you have it just on like a, like a nice crusty bread or yeah. do you have it on crackers? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Or just on my hands and rubbing. Yeah, I mean, liverwurst is one of those things. I think I have to eat it alone. Yeah, it definitely has. It's so it's so so good. Um, Give me one more. I think you probably have one more spot. Um, I mean, Naru, I want to go check out yeah. Naru. I mean, I think it's really cool what's going on at Rock Center. I think that's a pretty neat, everything yeah. up there is pretty wild. I'm sure wild. you were
1: approached. Did you talk to them about some stuff? Uh,
0: you know, I, I, that probably all happened when it, when maybe some of our diner stuff was or wasn't yeah. going to so, wasn't quite in the cards. So it uh, wasn't in the cards, but I think like what they're doing up there at yeah. Rock Center is really cool and, and, and pretty neat and, and, um, well, as you, a New you Yorker,
1: know. you can say that in, in in a different way than I can. I mean, I've been here 20 years, but you've been here the whole time. And, like, that's a really important part of New York and having it be a full of, like, Claire's Boutique style, like, tchotchke shops and not really great food in Subway before and now having, you know, i got to give us some mesas there, like, great, great falafels. I love some mesas.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff up there. yeah And I, and I just think it's cool that that, I mean— Rock Center deserves yes. world-class food. Yes. Um, and again, not to sort of speak ill of of the dead in terms of the restaurants that were there and no. they're gone. And, you know, um, Ed Brown did a great, great restaurant down there, um, the Sea Grill. And, and so there was – Back great, you in know. the day, sure. Yeah, there was yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I'm not trying to say the. – I'm just saying in general when you are walking the corridors in like 2008, it wasn't
0: – No, you know. and, and it's nice to see like that whole – there's something for everyone in there. Like you said you can walk the corridors yeah. there's all that stuff down cool. there and then you on the concord there's like that's a that's a I, you can spend a couple days just just yeah. moving through Rock Center, Rock Center and the Center's food cool. there and I think it's pretty neat.
1: Last couple questions. I have to ask you just about cookbooks because you clearly are a uh, you know student of the game. You you ordered all those pizza cookbooks up up you know cheer ups you know, Connecticut home, but tell me exactly what are you liking right now with cookbooks. Do you have any new titles? I'm sure you hit up Kitchen Arts and Letters once in a while.
0: That is one of my favorite spots to go to. They mentioned whenever
1: we have Madden on the show, he always mentions you. Yeah he always I mean, that's,
0: does. That's a special place. It Kitchen is. Arts is a special place and, and, and holds a special place in my heart. Yep. I mean I spent every extra penny I had yep. for the first twenty years of my life as a as a as a cook there. And mm-hmm. um more than that it, it you know it's a bookstore but they treat you like you've gone to a wonderful bespoke library yeah. they let you they let you come in they let you sit there they let you read they ask if they can bring you books to read they, like they there's nowhere on earth that has that uh, group of people that care so much about mm-hmm. their subject and treat you Person X, nobody of note. Like okay. my first two hundred visits there, I was nobody, and yet I still got the same attention. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know. Um, and so, so that's that's always oh, a special place yeah. for me. Um, but but that being said, yeah, I mean, you know what I, what I'm trying. You know, there's pizza books. I'm reading a lot of pizza books still. You know, I still I think like Dan Richard's book yeah, it's Joy good. of Pizzas is, is is an amazing book. I gave it one to each of my staff. It's really it's an awesome book. Um I, I think that uh, the Pizza Bible is a great book yeah. that I go to. Tony Gemignani's book, you yeah. know, he's he's sort of a seminal American. Uh, he, he, did pizza you consult figure. with Tony? No, I feel like no, I, I don't feel think like, Tony knows who I am. But uh,
1: <laughs> I feel like Tony gets he's like a whisperer. I, I know some folks in my life who run pizza and they talk to Tony, and
0: it's yeah, yeah. I I I mean I I, I don't know Tony at all. So <laughs> but but the book is is great. Um, uh you know. In that that's the problem with pizza is that there's not a lot of great uh, academic books mm-hmm. about pizza, and and that might sound weird. People are like, of course, he wants an academic book, right? He's mm-hmm. looking to take the soul out of pizza making, but uh, there there needs to be more mm-hmm. more books about what happens to pizza as it's made mm-hmm. because there's there's a lot to be learned. Um, but, um, you know, there's a great book. Um, Raymond Calville wrote a book called The Taste of Bread, and it's a seminal book in terms of understanding how bread is made. And there's there's this ongoing argument of is is, is pizza bread or not? And there's a lot of people that say no. But I think. There's really no argument. Pizza is bread.
1: A hundred percent. And if you go up to F and F in Carroll Gardens, my old neighborhood, I mean, they think of their pie as bread. Yeah. Well, that's good pizza. That's right damn there. good pizza. That's I good pizza. Love those, those guys. guys. Are great. That's, I love that place. Yeah, it's um,
0: super cool. I mean, that that whole run of what they've built right there. I know. I mean, it's at, awesome. For me, it's L and should have put them on the list too. I, I, those guys are awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. I should have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Frank. I love you guys. No, I they're swear. their pies are,
1: are are outstanding. I think it's like for me, it's L and B for number one controversial take and then FNF is number two. That's my... That's LNB
0: is controversial because there are those that question the, the, the square, the square supremacy oh, these days, but...
1: Really? So the square, we can go there. We're, we're a little deep in this interview. I feel like, it's the square, but I think it's the sauce is what people really, really have a problem with. I don't know if you have any thoughts if you've been there recently or even know
0: it. LMB is, like, more of a childhood. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, I almost don't want to go back with my critical <laughs> pizza lens and and, you don't. and have it not, <laughs> you know, have it somehow not be what I remembered it, maybe remembered it as. Yeah. Um, uh, but, fair, fair, diplomatic. I appreciate that, Wiley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but as we work on a square, as we work yeah. on trying to develop some some grandma s- squares for for stretch, I saw. We, I mean, I, keep... I saw a little thing at Francis's he yeah, a little
1: on a napkin. I yeah. saw a little square there. <laughs> well, it wasn't on the menu. Then I was like, I was thinking as so I looked at the menu, I was like this isn't there. Okay, yeah, so you're well, working. I, I'm sorry, I should have sent you some nah, some grandma. All C- good. Come back tomorrow. All good. No grandma is is, and I think actually what they're doing up at F and F with their squares is pretty terrific. Yeah. That that's and what yeah. Brooks Headley's doing with focaccia. That's 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 to
0: me is the game. Right? Brooks makes a really good focaccia. Yeah. A really, really, really good focaccia. Yeah. 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 Um, but, it, you know, as we get back to, to books again, I, I I go back and forth between like looking for academic stuff that can give me answers. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, Calvo's book, Advanced Bread and Pastry is like a huge and phone book sized if anybody out there knows what a phone book is. Uh, <laughs> no, that answer is <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. Um, that's a really, again, it's a book that's very interesting about, about bread and making bread and, and understanding how to mix dough. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, again, as we... For me, it, there's the two parts to pizza, right? There's the there's the dough and getting better at making the dough, and then there's the stuff on the top. And, and how do we – so there are different books that I go to for yeah. the dough, and there are different books that I go to cool. for the top. And so, you know, we're going to the top, and you're looking for inspiration, all, all of the Otto Lange books, and they're – you know, he's like a master of vegetable cookery and what – you know, flavor combinations and unusual spices oh, yeah. and mixes and rubs. Also and a this. master
1: of rice. Yeah. That guy's rice recipes are – the best.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So any of his books I think are great. You know, as you, like right, right now we're seeing a huge seasonal change, you know, the next three weeks mm-hmm. at the market are going to be seismic in a good way Yeah, as things begin to pop. Um, a, a, and then we'll have a good thing and then it'll be seismic again in the fall, you know, oh, and yeah. that's, and that's super fun. So his books are great. And then, you know, a lot of like other creative people, like the Wild Air guys, you know, their, mm-hmm. their cookbook's awesome. They're, they're, the yeah. Very Serious Cookbook, it's but a fun it's not book. serious at all. Yeah, but yeah. those guys do a great job of taking, uh like, a green market approach and and, and applying, like, yeah. they're, w- they're two guys that are two of the most well-traveled, well-worked guys out there, period, hard yeah. stop, so smart, such good cooks, but they have a sense of humor. They're yeah. a lot of fun. That book's a great source of inspiration. Richard Blaze, you know, yeah. Try This at Home, like, again, a really thoughtful, clever guy. Um, we and,
1: published that book, I think, like back, like that's like 12 years old or something. That's a great, yeah.
0: that's a great book. That's um, good. And, good to... and Richard's a, a really clever guy. Yeah. And again, a guy, I mean, what he's doing now with the English restaurant that he just opened out there. Yeah. And I had a great meal at his steakhouse. And again, I think Richard takes, has a respect for traditional cooking, but also was looking to march it forward. I mean, he mm-hmm. probably is the current molecular gastronomy ambassador of America in many ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has
1: so much TV exposure. Yeah. He's pushing those ideas forward. Yeah. But,
0: yeah, he's a face yeah. in many ways in yeah. in, a, in a good way, but um I think that that, that book is is an, is is one I go back to to like how is Rich, how is Richard thinking about this or doing that in 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 fun approachable ways because um I, you know, I just I think those those are good good things. I always look to my old friends in Spain. Um you know, I have a lot of cookbooks. I have like yeah. somewhere around 1600 cookbooks. Are
1: they all in your home or do you have them
0: storage as well? Uh, or I can't talk about that. I don't want my wife to know where they're all, No know, there, 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 there's a lot of them yeah. uh, at home and then there, there are a few in storage. Still. Yeah. That's cool. But, um, I, I, you know, as I, I, I go back to old books that I've been re- looking at a, a lot over the years. And then again, I'm trying to constantly find new books. I'm always looking for stuff mm-hmm. on the subject of, of, of pizza. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean. I, I just look for like what are some creative ways to to, to, to cook vegetables because that's, you know, what goes on the pizzas a lot yep. and, and that's what's happening. Yeah. So.
1: Well, this is, that's, those are great books. And, and I had to ask you, we're here at Penguin Random House. We publish many of them here. So thank you for Excellent. sharing. I'd yeah, I to, hope I picked some of the you right some one. good ones. We asked all guests on Taste Podcast if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time, meaning you have no deadline, or the burden of budget, meaning you have all the money in the world to write this book. Wiley, what would that book be?
0: It's this might be weird, but I, I do think it would be fun to do a donut book. Like we got into donuts, and donuts yeah. was was short lived. Um, and there's not a lot of, um, information about how to make donuts out there available. I mean, it's a professional trade. I mean, doing it at home, it is. Home, doing it's it, you can't really. It's hard to make donuts at home. I'm glad and you I, said that. And I, and I know that that might not be why anyone wants to publish a book about donuts. Because typically, if it can't be done at home, who's going to buy that cookbook? Listen, um,
1: you're, we're, this is like all the money in the world. so It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> um, so th- I think that could be fun because yeah. uh, you know I'm I I'm really proud of the cake donuts that we made at at Dew's. Uh mm-hmm. We made a solid yeast donut, but yeah. we made a like I'll take my donut to the state fair and uh, the cake kinda, donut, yeah, our cake donut That's to the your state one, fair, the cake, okay. and, and 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 I felt really good about what we did there, and we did a lot of really. Interesting work around the glazes. I think that I think that making a donut is a f- very underappreciated process. Um, because it's it's both pastry and candy making because you're making you're making a cake. Yeah. And then you're glazing it and, and the cake is the pastry part and the glaze is a candy. And and it's really when done right, it's it's really hard but it's on such a simple ubiquitous thing that people sort of take it for granted and don't you know don't get it um
1: it's a great point i have to shout out cafe yen up in Goshen, new york near where i live it is absolutely the best donut upstate gotta go there yeah
0: nice now the other the other one uh if i can be allowed to book dreams you can do two yeah Um, you deserve
1: it you earned it uh, (laughs) you've been a great sport on the show thank you uh
0: uh, Jim Meehan, we you know yeah. one, one of the great cocktail bar, yeah. barmen of the of of our country best dressed too best dressed absolutely yes, great dresser. sartorially yeah, correct yeah, yeah yeah um uh and, and a generally super nice guy uh, he said to me once he's like when you do your cook WD fifty cookbook you should you should make it huge and you should actually do every dish the book should be every dish you ever <laughs> made um and I was like that's that's a crazy nutty idea. Uh, And I don't even know how to go about that, but, but wow, that would have been kind of neat, like to to have done every, every dish. (laughs) And so that always, you know, the the WD-50 book is its own thing and, and, and happy with the way it came out and and, and all that. But, but that would, that, it always sort of stuck in my head, like, wow, that kind of. Again, a book that nobody needs or nobody wants. I'd I'd have all four copies in, yeah, in my but it apartment. Would be, but, it would but, be in the Library of Congress, and um, but but but, but there was something about that notion of like try to do every dish. Um, that, that 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 I would be excited just to be able to read through it and look at mm. you know where we started and where it's we like, went. Uh, but, a photo book, a scrapbook. But yeah. anyway, yeah, I don- love it. Donuts. I think. I mean, that, I love it. There's, either. There's not a lot of, you know, if I had to, like, levy a criticism against the donut world, it's the same I would levy against the pizza world, which is there's just not a lot of academic information out there. Um, And and everybody wants it to be cheap, and that's not how it should be. Can
1: you please come back? I would love to have you back on the show to talk about that. That's a huge topic uh, about price of food. You know, we'll have you back and talk. Everybody
0: about it. wanted every. That was the big thing. How can you charge three fifty for a donut? You know. Yeah. Why is your pizza so expensive? Is,
1: Why is, is a the... cup of coffee four dollars? I mean, it's like yeah. Go to I, go down the list is like. 20. And I
0: just, but it's all the things that people want. to, I be, know. to be cheap, and now they want to be good. But well, let's let's let's. That, that, let's no, no, no like, of, I'll have you back. Not. I
1: really mean it. Wilder Deverein, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Han Kong, welcome to the Taste Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you for coming in. You flew in last night from Seoul, and I honestly uh, really appreciate the the time. I'm, I'm such a fan of your work, of ever fiction, and, and just you as a person. I, I just feel like I know you just reading some of your work. So thank you. Thank you. So Han, let's just start with what are some dishes that you, that you like to cook at home?
2: Mm. At home, I like to cook miso soup. In Korean, it's called tenjang jjigae, and I put no doenjang sauce and uh, a little bit of gochujang. It's very hot sauce. Yeah, I like
1: it. A little bit of so mostly doenjang, but a little bit of gochujang.
2: Okay. Yeah, 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 and it's the the ratio is like two doenjang and one. Gochujang. it is my recipe
1: it sounds like huh it sounds like a great I think putting a lot of goji giant jjigae is smart mm. I love that do you put clams in it ever
2: no uh we call it tashima it's the, yeah it's seaweed. seaweed yeah and uh a bit of uh dried uh very little shrimps oh cool yeah and zucchini and if if available a bit of onions and and then that's all. And tofu.
1: A little bit like cube, like firm tofu. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So let's go back to where you grew up, which is Gwangju, um, which is in Jeollado. Which, to many Koreans and others who observe Korean food, is it's considered the best food in Korea. Would you Would you agree with this?
2: Yes. Uh, people say Jeolla Provence, uh is famous for food. And you know my both parents are from Toledo, and my mother is very good. is a very good cook.
1: So let's what so let's talk about some of the dishes growing up that your mother maybe made for you.
2: Mm, one of my favorite dishes my mother made for me is red bean porridge.
1: Yeah, like juke.
2: Yeah, juke. Yeah. We call it pachuk, and it is really delicious, you
1: know. Oh my gosh, yeah. Did was this something you had in the morning for breakfast or Oh
2: it's kind of a special meal. So uh she cooked for us, especially in summer and in the afternoon. Uh just when we need something delicious. I love all the process she uh went through. I mean to finish the, finish patchuk and she made a dough and then you know, she cut uh, the dough like spaghetti and then she boiled um, red beans for a long time, maybe two hours yeah. or three hours. And and all the smells, you know, and uh, every move she made, I love that.
1: Yeah, it's this is such uh, it's profound that you say this about Korean home cooking and and so beautifully just what you just said is it really strikes me how handmade a lot of the cuisine is and how you of course you can you can get uh, uh, kimbap delivered from other but mostly at the root of Korean cuisine is a lot of like a a somat like hand cooking, you know, like the How do you describe that this idea of cooking by hand and not by 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 recipes really?
2: Uh, Really, uh, it's it's a good question because I don't look for recipes usually. And I just remember and I just feel and I just follow my instinct.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Gwangju, I really wanted to talk to you about your your book, Human Acts, which to me, um, it's one of my—it really struck me the most out of all of your books, and I've read many of them— it centers around the the May 18th massacre in Gwangju and and i think a lot of americans and listeners of the show maybe aren't familiar with what happened in Gwangju in 1980 tell us a little bit about what happened then and how your book human acts tackles this event
2: in 1980 in may martial law declared declared by the new military forces and there was a very strong protest in Gwangju, which is my hometown. And, yeah, there was a massacre. And and after that, there was a civilian autonomy for 10 days. And then the troops came back to kill the people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mostly students, young protesters, which is important in that your, your book, Human Acts, goes inside the, the heads of, of many of these protesters and they're very, very young, many of them.
2: They're very young and they were mostly university students or high school or middle school students and, and the young people who were high who were school teachers and some staffs of the bookstores and these kind of very kind people were there to protect, you know, the citizens of Gwangju.
1: And particularly an armory, or there is a central structure that was kind of important in your in your book.
2: Yeah. And actually, I wasn't there because I moved to Seoul with my family four months before the incident. Yeah. So I just learned uh, from what... My family talked,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, they whispered because, you know, it was not allowed to talk about it for a long time.
1: And you get into that in that human acts unfolds the narrative into the present time. So it does tra- travel over time, which is remarkable. And just to close on the Gwangju massacre, I wonder what would you like our audience to know about those who died during that massacre?
2: I learned uh, the truth when I was 12, when I found out the photo book my Mm -hmm. father brought from Guangzhou, and the book was circulated secretly to testify the truth. So from then, it was kind of um, staying. Inside my nightmares.
1: Oh my, yeah. For a
2: long time. And uh, it was like uh, very, very difficult uh, questions staying with me. Like um, there were people who killed other people in such a brutal way. And there were people as well who acted in such a dignified way. So it was like a very difficult uh, riddle about human beings. So when I was writing about the boy, his name is Ho mm-hmm. who was killed when he was 15 years old. And I wanted to feel... Uh, the way he felt at the time. Why he stayed, though he knew he might die if he stayed. Just I, I wanted to know and I wanted to feel his inside. Mm. And I read the journal of, a, of the night teacher who was killed, uh, that night when the troops came back, it was the 27th of the May, mm-hmm. and he was wondering about the possibility he could survive, and he knew he might die, and he wanted to live on, and there was a struggle in him, so i I could understand what Tung Ho this boy felt that night and I wanted to approach uh that uh, moment of uh his decision and yeah, so I it's, and it, it is really tragic, but i I wanted to reach... That part of human beings. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the journal uh, of that night school teacher, he was talking about conscience. No, he was suffering with the existence of the conscience, which uh, tortured him at the moment.
1: Wow, it sounds like, I mean, beautiful writing in a journal during this. I mean, this sounds like really poetic.
2: It was like his last journal, so. I wanted to reach that uh, part of human beings, even though I started with the brutality of yeah. human beings. It's very universal, I think. It's, it's all over the world and it's, it's you know, all over the history of human beings.
1: Yeah, Thanks for sharing that, Han. I mean, I really appreciate that the way you've articulated this, and just the polarity of human um, condition—you know, such brutality and such bravery and dignity—in the same incident. And just for a little more historical context, many of the protesters were unarmed or were using guns without ammunition. So really, they knew when they were protecting the armory, they were they. It was a almost a sacrifice. They were sacrificing themselves to symbolically protect their their city from these the militia from this martial law let's switch gears to the vegetarian. The book is certainly not about a diet but it's but it grabs our attention right away how food plays a role in the book. can you articulate how you think about food in this book and how food the restraint how, how changing of diet leads to a, a greater understanding of humanity I, I feel that's what is happening in one way in this book.
2: Uh, Younghae, the protagonist of the book, doesn't want to eat meat any longer because uh, she doesn't want to harm anything or harm anyone. And in the end, she refuses to eat anything but water and she doesn't want to belong to human race any longer She believes she is becoming a plant and, you know, it's not because she wants to die, it's because she wants to live on and it's the way of uh, saving herself. But ironically, in this way, she is approaching her death so food is uh is complex in this novel.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the initial response, I think it was her husband, when she decided to not eat meat, there's real resistance, right, from from that character.
2: Yeah, and, you know, there is a line in the first section uh, which is told by Young-hae's mother. She says, I don't remember the exact uh, line but if you uh refuse to eat meat the world will eat you yeah that was the line and so yeah in this section or in this book eating meat is you know is talking about violence which is omnipresent in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you've covered some of the main plot points, but it doesn't mean anything about giving away this book because the way you write, the way you capture human emotion without dramatic plot swings is a real art. And it's really, I think fans of your work realize this and how this idea of not eating meat and then eventually transforming into a plant, you have to read the book. To, to actually understand how we get to these points, it is, it is you are a one-of-one. One. You are unique. Let's talk about Buddhist temple cuisine. You moved north of Seoul, and there's temples all all in the area where you moved to and lived there. There's beautiful temples, and I've been up there and, and walked around a lot. Do you connect with Buddhist temple cuisine? I ask because in America, one of the most famous Korean chefs is a Buddhist monk, Jung Kwan. We we know her. We, we we think of Korean food as Buddhist temple cuisine. Now it's, it's fascinating. What do you think about this cuisine?
2: Have you tasted her?
1: I've I have in in New York. I've been to. I've had her food in New York. Absolutely. I've met her a couple times. And but I've also been in Jeollado. I I stayed at a at a monastery at a temple, and 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 worked with some some sh- some chefs and and got to wake up at four in the morning and cook with them. Uh, and it's in our book, Korea World, that we we have a whole section about B- Buddhist temple cuisine. And I just wanted to get your sense. Um, I know there's a reference in Greek lessons to mm. temple cuisine. So I wanted to get your take on that.
2: Yeah, Actually, I love uh, Buddhist temple cuisine. And uh, whenever I visit uh, Buddhist temples, it's a really nice moment to taste Their meal, you know, is really is gentle. They don't use uh, many kinds of spices, and yeah, everything is so so nice. I grew up in a family which is rooted in Buddhism deeply. I'm not religious, but I I visit. Uh, Buddhist temples sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about the most uh, visibly beautiful exp- experiences in Greek lessons.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In May, there is uh, Buddha's birthday. Mm-hmm. So I visit Buddhist temples every Buddha's birthday. And it is like, um, too beautiful and sometimes I ask myself how many times will I see this beauty in my life? You can count uh, the number so that is very precious, precious moments in my life to visit Buddhist temples, uh, every Buddha's birthday.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I, I I am not Buddhist myself either, but I, I've spent time in throughout the country, and i have to agree with you. There's a lot of beauty when you're visiting these manicured gardens and these, and seeing the the Buddhas. But when you enter the kitchen, and when you get the it's nothing like it absolutely the presentation but also the the connection right between the religion and food is really strong because you know no animals are harmed in the you know in the creation of the dishes and but as an as a as a somebody who tastes the cuisine it's it's nothing more delicious than it in korea i mean it's beautiful
2: uh, i remember when i was in 20s i did um, it it was kind of a practice no to live like a, a buddhist nun yeah and it was for five days and i woke up in the morning at three yeah i did everything buddhist nuns did and yeah i i enjoyed the uh, food and there is a ritual before you eat uh meals you know you remember
1: yeah there's some meditation going on at the table yeah
2: yeah and you you promised to yourself uh to appreciate the meal which came from the nature mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh the temple stays are amazing and i highly recommend anyone who's visiting korea to I'll link to in the show notes, a link to where you can get more information, but they're throughout the country. They're very affordable and you can stay up to five days. That's a long time to be waking up at three and eating. And really there's no waste either. That's the other part about the meal is you you eat everything on your plate and leave an empty bowl. Uh
2: it's still my habit after the temple stay. I don't make uh, leftover. Yeah. But when, when I eat.
1: You eat everything. Yeah. I have a last couple of questions and I wonder uh, I know the white book is is autobiographical but have you thought about writing non-fiction? Have you have you tackled any projects that would be more reported? I know for human acts you, you're reading the journals and you're doing research and I wonder if if that's something in your future.
2: I have already a collection of my prose and uh yeah one day I will I would like to write uh, some essays about gardening or walks in the forest yeah, one day. But before then, I have to finish the novels, which I have uh, thought for some years, No, so I have to catch up all I want to write and... The problem is my writing speed. It's always, you know, takes time. So, yeah, but one day I write.
1: A gardening nonfiction piece. I imagine you have a garden that you're, you've recently planted. It's being spring now. What are you growing right now? Lilac. Yeah. And
2: wow. And It is the very beautiful, big white flowers. And I left... The flowers in my garden yesterday. Yeah, and it was really just blooming.
1: Blooming, and you'll be back soon to see them bloom. You don't want to miss out on that. So it's a floral garden. You you grow flowers mostly. Yes, I love that. It's beautiful. Hong Kong, thank you so much for joining the Taste Podcast. Oh, thank you.